Hey, Western Temple here with the Real Estate Template. We are here with Emad Labat. We met at a real estate conference for the collective about a little bit over a year ago. No, so Miami was Rebel Capitalist Live, and that's where I start first. So we met at Rebel Capitalist. I first saw you there. I don't know where we met, but as a collective member, and I was inquiring about you know, becoming a collective member. And then our first event was in Mexico. Was in is Mexico. Yeah. So so we've known each other a little bit over a year, and. He's part of the collective group, which I'm part of, which is a, a group of, of high net worth individuals that meet together once a quarter. And we talk about what's going on in the economy, what's going on in our different fields that we're in, better ways to make money than what we got right now. Huge relationship building opportunities, which, is a, which has been our, our key thing really, is the opportunity to meet people to do what we do and, and watch other investors be successful. So it's really a, been a cool, cool, cool ride so far. I mean, more than cool. It's been tremendous. I, mean, I, I agree. I agree. I would encourage that to anybody. If you're not a part of any real estate group or anything like that, you would. We, we'll talk a little bit more throughout this about that. But basically, introduce yourself. Tell us where you come from. Tell us how you got here. So I'm Emad Labed. I'm 35 years old. I'm based out of the Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina area. Um, been in the restaurant industry my entire life. I was raised in there. Um, my family's refugees of war, uh, 1990s when we uh, uh, evacuated Kuwait and we moved to uh, the Raleigh-Durham area and we started our lives there. And uh, You know, as I listen to your story, it brings me back to Patrick David Bett also. Exactly. Refugee and, and huge, huge, huge success. First generation in this country that was born in this country and or came over and you know, we live here our whole lives and can't make it happen, but y'all come as a refugee and you you want it so bad that it just happens. So I didn't mean to get you off the track. So anyway, you, you come over with your family you're right. as a refugee. You're exactly right. When you when you when you have nothing, only way you can do is look up, you know, and inspire to be better, inspire to provide a better life for yourself, your for your children or whoever. And um that's what life's all about. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. what better land to do it in the best best country in the world, best land in the world. So y'all come to this country in 1990 and took about, so we lived, you know, in section eight, we, li we didn't have much of anything. Um, parents barely spoke English, um, had three older siblings that were trying to get into school and all that. I was young, I was about four years old. And uh, a couple years went by and my dad got compensated, you know, after the war was all settled and everything got compensated for the house and the car and whatever he had in the bank. And he took all that and just put it directly into a restaurant. And so my parents opened this restaurant in uh, Durham, North Carolina, near Duke University. A barbecue place? <laughs> no. No, it was a Mediterranean, American, and Greek cuisine. Mediterranean, American, and Greek restaurant. Um, just a small little 1,000-square-foot, 1,100-square-foot shop. And um, just try to make a better life for, for the children. And work their tails off every single day. I mean, constantly. And um, my earliest memories is busting tables and cleaning up and trying to, I guess, do what I'm told and help help with the family business. And it's really made you appreciate hard work and what what growth is and, and all that. And yeah, it was many, many years of struggling to try to recoup that investment and then the, the restaurant industry is not not the easiest thing to jump into, but I didn't it's think a, that's it, it's, <laughs> it's it's not the easiest thing to jump into. But so I owned a restaurant service company for thirty years, 
and um, sold it in 2019. And I'm going to tell you, that is a hard business. I can't tell you how many people I saw that came into business and a year later they were out of business. They came into business. I mean, for, for y'all to have been successful with it, that's just, it's, it is a very low statistic. With a 99 or 98% failure rate? In the first year, yeah. Yeah, so. It's a huge failure rate. And then now we're at the second generation stage, and that's a 75% failure rate. Yeah, my daughter's going to college right now. She's going to probably not work in the field. She's going to college for it, too. And it's, it's such, a, such a disappointment, but that is a very high statistic that a lot of people to get out never do, the, do what they did. So where is this this dream that everyone sells you? You know, you got to go to college to get a better job and you know, all this dream that they sell you, but there's make that, better make better money, right? Yeah, but that's, when the average plumber makes more money than the average college person makes, I know more blue collar millionaires than I do education billionaires. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And my well, my my daughter my daughter was talking to me yesterday or day before yesterday, and I was talking to her about school and I'm and I've, I'm always trying to talk her to quit. I'm always talking to her trying to talk her out of quitting, and she won't quit. And she said, I'm going to learn. I said, none of your professors are rich. None of your professors have money. None of your professors are successful. All your professors can do is teach. They can't teach you what I do. And if you're going to come work for me, then just freaking come work for me. Why do you need to go to school first? Exactly. You know, and and I'm, going to, I'm going to unteach you everything they do teach you. And then I, there's probably some bad crap they're going to put into you. I can't get out with a crowbar. You know. Well, it's like, you know, Robert Kiyosaki says, you know, your your business professor does he even operate a business? Does he run a business? Never. And <laughs> my my dad so my dad went to college when he was sixty, and he he was taking a they had a history class and they had one one thing on it on the Vietnam War. My dad's a Vietnam veteran, and my dad's like that ain't what happened. That's exactly what happened. He said no. He said I was at that battle. That is not what happened. That has nothing. You what you you are way out of line. And he wound up quitting all the college. He said, he said, that proved to me that what they teach you is not the truth because they teach you what they want you to think about the Vietnam War. They don't teach you the Vietnam War. And yeah. the soldiers that were there will tell you a different story than the people that live in this country that were brainwashed by the news media. It's all by design. Yeah. It's all by design to, to, to teach you to be just another role player, another taxpayer yeah. you know, in this system, this machine that they've built. Okay, so we digress. If you didn't like that part, you could have fast-forwarded through it, but we're going to get back to who Emad is. <laughs> so so you got out of college. Yeah, and you're working uh, for different larger, big restaurants, big, you know, high-end, five-star restaurants. So you said Roof Chris and places like that? Yeah, and that similar. And then grew within those companies, and they saw what my parents had instilled in me, which is hard work. And um, so, of course, they exploited me. That is a man that's an abusive. That is an abusive environment. I've watched restaurant managers. They, they had a, I, I used to love hiring restaurant managers because they were so ill-treated as a restaurant manager. I could hire them as an employee, and, man, they would excel Kiss in every freaking area. If they were successful in that industry, they would excel at anything I gave them because they, I mean, even I could hire them as a maintenance technician. I could hire them as an operations manager. I could, I could hire them for sales. I could hire them for anything, and they could do it. Yes. And it was, it was, it was. If you work in a restaurant, you're a you're a different type of breed. You can do what we're talking about here for sure. So, after so, that, so the opportunity arose. Uh, I'm the youngest of four children, and my father was kind of over it. He's done. You know, he's been, he put in about 20 years of this restaurant industry, and um, he, you know, he's all about being contented. So your dad's first 
first, he comes here as a man. He's 40 you years said, old. You he's, said two years into it, he started his restaurant? 45 years old. Was it two years into being here, he started his restaurant? Two years into the, and so they're living in section eight housing when they get there. They got nothing, nothing. They're an immigrant coming to our country with, with nothing. Two years afterwards, his dad's stepping on a limb trying to start his own restaurant because he wants to be more than what he is, living where he is, doing better than what he's doing. And he, he does that and is successful by it. And we as Americans use every excuse in the world where we can't be successful. I guess part of that reason is because nobody gave your dad anything. Your dad just had to work his ass off and go get it. And from day one, he was, you know, he was born in 1948 in, in Jerusalem in the middle of the Holy War in East Palestinian. Yeah. So they didn't have a home. They didn't have anything. Um, and he made it out on scholarship to go to Saudi Arabia to go to high school. Wow. And um, just out of just hard work and, and trying to be uh, scoring as best he could. And he got out at the age of 16 and went to Saudi Arabia and got multiple degrees and um, landed a job at the Kuwait Oil Company as an accountant. And so that's how we we were able to live in Kuwait. Okay. Um, and then I was born here, but... So he didn't have any experience as a restaurant over there. He worked at a, yeah, as an accountant over there. As an accountant. He, he has a business degree, an accounting degree, and an English degree. And uh, basically on a very minor level, he taught English at, at one point and before he became an accountant. And so he had no, no, no idea about feeding people and feeding a large sum of people every day and just went, went head first into it with my mom. And they just, I mean, pure sweat equity. I mean, incredible amount of discipline and hard work that they put into it. That is awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So let's get back to you. So I'm the youngest son and um, the opportunity arose to, to take over the business. And so um, I jumped in and signed a, where I'm part of a triple net lease with my father now. And uh, I paid, I sold my, fir my first car that I only car I ever had. I sold it so that I could buy into the restaurant. Um, so daddy didn't give it to you for free? Nothing. Not a, not a, I, I still pay him every month till this day used to piss me off when people would tell me you own this business because your dad gave it to me my dad ain't never given me nothing trust me and then that's the a lot we i get a lot of that i get a lot of that from a lot of people because they see now 11 years later i'm starting to be successful based on what i put into the business and and they're like well your daddy just gave it to you my daddy didn't give me anything i still pay him monthly and i pay him a royalty on top of that yeah so I'm, I'm earning my stay here if i don't perform I don't get to stay. You know, if he would have just gave me the keys and said, here you go, that place would have been closed within six days. I agree. Now, we're not 11 years later. I agree. And it's performing That's my better. biggest fear with my kids coming into my business. I don't want to give it to them. I just don't want to give it to you. I want you to earn it. I want you to at least know, and I don't care what other people say. I want you to know that you earned it. Absolutely. It's all about the mindset. All right, so... So, um, yeah, 11 years later, here we are. Um, didn't Why did you join the collective? I joined the collective because I wanted to grow as a human being and to be, just pull back that, that cap that I had on my subconscious, on my potential, and really just say, hey, if I put myself in a room full of high-performing people that see the world generally the way I do, and they're doing it every single day, there's only the only only way I can go is up, only growth, and it's been a tremendous amount of growth. In only 365, I've changed so many aspects of my existence. It's, it's incredible. 
So, so as I met you at Rebel Capitals, what brought you to Rebel Capitals? Same, same thing. Yeah, just listening. I'm literally working 90, 100 hours. If you don't know what Rebel Capitals is, it's George Gammon does a podcast and he does a YouTube channel called The Rebel Capitals. He talks a lot about the economy and things that are going on in the economy and what we can expect that's going on in our country. And it just gives us as as entrepreneurs a gauge on how to invest as we're moving forward. What do we expect with interest rates? What do we expect with this? What is the government going to do? Or what do we, you know, he spends tremendous amounts of time in investing his time into delivering us great information. And we're able to use that information and we don't have to spend 40 hours a week trying to do what he's doing for us for free. Exactly. So that was that was what the Rebel Capitals event was, plus his podcast and all. Sorry about that. So I went to the, yeah, we went to the event. Well, it, initially it was the, it was like the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book and learning that, listening that to that. Literally working 90 hours, 100 hours a week with headphones and listening to audiobooks, trying to learn something, trying to be more than what just making a sandwich. So we do we do monthly phone calls with um, either Jason Hartman or Kim McElroy or George Gammon. And on those monthly calls, when Emad pops in on the call, he's working in his kitchen. He's always working in his kitchen. He's always got his ear pods in listening and talking to us through that. And, and never, you, don't, you just don't miss a beat. You don't. Yeah. Still producing. Yeah. And, it, you know, people make excuses. When you make excuses and you put these caps on yourself, you've done it to yourself. And that, that is an American thing. Everybody's failure is because of somebody else. Somebody else didn't do this for me. Somebody else didn't do this for me. Nobody gave me this. And Excuses are tools of incompetence that are built on monuments of nothingness. Those who specialize in them seldom do anything less. Can you say that again? Excuses are tools of incompetence that are built on monuments of nothingness. Those who specialize in them seldom do anything less. I like it. I like it. And, and I agree with it 100%. Yeah. I mean, you are your own crutch. Get up off your ass. Go do something. Stimulate your surroundings. Provide a good. Provide a service to your community. Try to do something positive. So, yeah, so you're in this restaurant for 11 years. You've owned it now. Yes. And it's been successfully growing more and more. Now, you told me... We talked about a month ago, and you told me you was looking at a contract on a cafeteria, right? So I'm working on a contract to feed a thousand people a day, uh, and they're building a brand new thirty thousand square foot kitchen. And that's at like a private school. It's yeah, it's a, it's it's a school where um, where the gifted the, kids go. The gifted yeah, the gifted kids go, and they they live on campus. It's fully government funded. So they're not gonna they're not gonna do their own kitchen. They want somebody else to come in and run that part for them. They've, feed been, the they've been running their own kitchen and it's not successful. Not it hasn't been successful. They're getting a lot of feedback. Why is that? Because well, they're not even government funded. I was gonna say the government can't do anything, right? That's successful. <laughs> but that's even private schools and stuff. They they just the food the, is terrible. The people that run it most of the time are not business people. Exactly. And and you know I see that in our city politics. I see that in our government. I see that in in schools and different things they are not i mean most of the people on the school board are housewives and house dads that i mean they don't know anything about building i think and i'm not discounting the moms and dads or, or any of that i'm just saying that if you want something to be successful you have to put people in positions that have been successful in those positions and and they can be successful in that position i mean we had a mayor our, our most of our city council at the city that i, I live in are just retired people that have never done anything but work for somebody else in a union job their whole life. But the city isn't successful, nor will it ever be successful, as long as that's the people that we bring in to run our city. It'll never be successful. And and no matter what you tell them, you can't, you can't convince them. They just don't see it. Mm -hmm. But, all right, so you got a, 
11,000 students a day plus your restaurant, that's a huge jump. But also, you own a rental, rental property right now. What do you own? We own four doors. We bought it um, during the pandemic. Okay. And um, we've got a 30-year fixed loan on it. I took advantage of my wife's VA loan. And I uh, put a down payment on it because our debt income was not nowhere near where it needed to be. And uh, we put about 60000 down on the property. Did about 100000 and I did a GC'd it myself. Put about 100000 in it. And that was a tremendous learning experience by itself. And that was pre-collective, pre-Rebel uh, Capitalist event. And you're running about a 10% cap rate on that? Yes. 10% cap on it. We doubled the rents. It's, it's uh, working like a fine-tuned machine now. And uh, went through and just that learning by itself was just amazing for for me. So he's making a he's making a ten percent cap rate, which is about you know eighteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars a year almost that you're making off of it. Plus you're getting your appreciation. Plus you get depreciation because you're making a lot of money. So that probably saves you thirty nine percent on your depreciation number. Yeah, if we want to break down the numbers, we can. We can break down the numbers on that property. Well, let's break down the numbers. So, so, we're, so we need a. We're, we're trying to convince people or tell people why real estate's always a good option, and we want to, you know, from a from an entry level standpoint, how do you get involved with this? So this is your first real estate deal on like that, besides buying your own personal residence. So, so let's we, break down the numbers. So the note on it is is uh, almost seventeen hundred dollars a month. Um, each door makes brings in twelve fifty a, a month. All okay. four doors. Property taxes. It's all included in the mortgage. So the seventeen hundred is your mortgage. Yep. Your property taxes and your insurance. Insurance. Holy crap! Mm -hmm. So you probably better than a ten percent cap rate on that at the end. I don't. I don't have my calculator. I'm to just break trying to be out. conservative, but yeah. I don't have my. Out. I don't have my calculator to break out. <laughs> I got a phone over there, but we're recording on it. But yeah, you probably better than that. So so if he's better than that on on that with his hundred sixty thousand dollar investment in it, he's better than a ten percent on that. Then you know. The total value of what you paid for, you get plus your repairs, you get depreciation off of that. So that comes at three point six percent a year on your total income. That's going to yield you another, I would say, six to eight thousand dollars a year on income savings because you're not going to pay taxes on that yeah. much you would have normally paid taxes on. Then you get the appreciation, and Raleigh, North Carolina is kicking it. So you know, let's be conservative and say so far you've averaged at least ten percent a year. I would say. Yep. So what did you pay for it totally yet? Or, or not, not, that don't even matter what you paid for when we're talking about appreciation. Yeah. Appreciation goes off of what it was worth when you finished your rehab. So when you finished your rehab, what would it have been worth? It was worth almost 700000 So 700000 So he's making another $70,000 his first year. His second year is going to be the 70000 or 700000 plus the additional $7,000, which is going to bring you almost $80,000 that year. Then it's going to come up every year compounds. That's a ton of money. Plus, you got a note on it, and you know you got a decent interest rate. So you, so you, so at your at your low interest rate, you're paying. You're probably getting on a, you know, six hundred thousand dollar loan, six fifty, whatever it was. No, it, we we got it way less than that. Okay. Oh, that's right. I, I went I went from the from the thing. So, <laughs> well, you're still probably making at least three four thousand dollars a year principal reduction. I mean, you're you're killing it, man. That's that's a that's a good gig there. So that's his very first real estate deal. Did you have any knowledge of real estate when you started out? You just went and did it. I just had my my first single family home that I bought. That so so no experience. Just goes out there and does it. And you spend some late hours rehabbing every house? every day, every day. I, before I went to work, after I went to work, we were over there looking at the project, 
trying to find, you know, going after the painter, going after the, the flooring guys and just trying to piece it together. It took me about a year to do it. Now, was Jasmine helping you in that? No. Okay. Jasmine didn't help me. She just signed the documents. Okay. Um, but she had faith in me. She came and visited, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. She'd come around and uh, tell me what paint to pick. He's got a princess of a wife. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's been a, a that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, that's a yeah, whole That's a whole different episode. story. We can talk about the wife. Whole different story. Yeah, that's, that's amazing by itself. I'll start that. That'll be a whole different, instead of real estate, it'll go to something different. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so where are you right now? Right now, 2023? 2023, we, um, we have the restaurant. We have almost done with that contract deal for the thousand thousand people a day. We have the four doors that were are still running finally. We uh, have a, another management company managing them that we just uh, we vetted about six different companies to find this one company. Um, the first management company was terrible. We need to talk about that. I need to get you out of. I need to get you into your own property management. Well, I was, I was trying to get as many doors as I could, and then I was gonna do my own. Right now, I'm switch right now. And then we're gonna talk to your wife about that. Okay. And uh, I'm a self-management guy. I love self-management. If you ain't got a thousand doors, or maybe if you've got a thousand doors, I'm, I am a self. I think once you get the system down, it is there is nothing in the world to it. Nothing. It is the simplest thing in the world. And well, your wife does most of the work for that, doesn't she? Yeah, but you see, we've been in class all day. Her phone ain't went off in the last time. Any, any, my phone. You ain't seen her get up and walk out of class or anything. We don't get any calls. Mm. We we handle it in a way we don't have to ever answer the phone call. We'll talk about that. Okay. All right, so, so. so we have that. We have the four doors. So we have, um, now we're going through entitlements for 40 doors that we're trying to build right now on a- You own the land already? I own the land outright. Where'd you get the land from? Uh, they came with the house. So the house we're talking about that's worth 700,000 no, had no. an extra lot with it? No, my house, my the house I bought in 2016. Oh, okay. Well, I had an extra lot you could piece it, it off and- It's on- uh, it's on 1.93 acres. Okay. Uh, we're just going to bulldoze the house. And you can put 40 doors on that? We'll put 40 doors. Okay. Hopefully, we'll be able to fit 40 doors on that. Uh, we're still going through uh, dealing with the city and all that with the engineers. So where did um, where'd you get this idea of, of doing a land development deal on it? The, the, the collective. I mean, I, I was... So just being around like-minded people, and we're all talking about, you know, several of us in there do land development. Several several people in there do syndication. Several people do single families, trailer parks, a little bit of everything. There's a there's a whole vast of variety of things that people do in the group, but most of us are all centered around real estate in some way. So, so if nothing else, the the fifty thousand dollars you invest to be part of this group, that pays it off right there. It's already paid for itself. Yeah. ten times. Ten Ooh. times. Ten times. Yeah. I agree. I, I look at that every every time I leave. I'm like, okay. I got one nugget out of there that was well worth fifty thousand dollars for me every time. Yeah. When I when I joined Rich Dad Education, every time I did a class, I went home and bought a house, and I did that for three years straight. <coughs> I bought a house every month for three years, and whatever whatever tactic they taught me, is the tactic I went home and bought a house with, and it was the funniest thing in the world. But I grew my, I grew my mat, I grew my net worth. To like 19 million dollars in no time i mean it was just stupid how fast it happened but just doing what they told you to do so anyway so now you got this piece of land you're looking at an entitlement for what's an entitlement entitlement is engineers uh basically giving you the best highest and best use out of this piece of property okay so you bring an engineer in the engineer dissects the deal down he says the best thing you could do if you want to make money put doors on it we can do 
townhomes, we can do condos, we can do apartments. And so we're doing 40 apartments. Um, it's going to probably be three structures. Okay. Three separate structures. Three separate structures. And um, initially I was thinking about partnering with a developer or getting some sort of funding from, from elsewhere, but I think we're just going to... You don't want a development right now. I'm just going to do the, do it, go in with cash myself and um, just go slow and take my time and learn and do it, and do it that way. You got contractors in lined up, right? That? Yep. So this is what we, we talk about power teams all the time. Having your, having a contractor that you that you got a relationship with, having an accountant you got a relationship with, an engineer, somebody with taxes, some a real estate agent, every facet of what we do, you know, an appraiser. We want to have people that we have relationships with so that they can help us through these ordeals. And you don't have to go pay so a, a development guy that's going to want forty percent of the profit of that piece of land just to do the exactly. development stuff on it. I mean, so it's a huge savings for you to be able to do that. And that's what we did on the apartment complex. We're pulling out of the ground now is the same thing. So, so you, yeah, it was, a, it was going to be a 60, 40 deal. And I was going to have to put down another half a million bucks to do it. You know, and it would, yeah, granted it would have been done faster, but that would only, you know, it's not enough. I don't have skin into the game but, the but way I'll, I want it. But, but in the end, that engineer is going to have, you know, three weeks worth of work invested in the deal total. And he wants 40% of the deal, you know, that's just crazy numbers. It's yeah. crazy numbers. And now if, if somebody's broke and somebody can't afford to do it or just don't have the courage to go do it, because I don't think it's the talent. I think it's just the courage to go. Yeah. It's mindset. Then, then it'll do it. a lot of this is mindset though, it, right? It, all of it's mindset. Most of it is mindset and applying yourself. I mean, that's all it is. It's just really changing how you view certain things and how you, yourself and just growing well and uh, i mean so yeah i'll build i'll build 40 doors and so you got potentially you know if it's fully occupied you got eighty thousand dollars a month right there so so many of you watching this video are still wanting to get in the door but you or get in the game of real estate investing but you still haven't pulled the trigger and you you're still stuck in that world of i can't do that or i don't know enough or i need a few more classes i need to talk to a few more people there's there's a thousand reasons of why you aren't moving forward. But we're sitting here talking to Emad. Emad's telling us what he's done. How can you listen to this man and, and still have your excuses of why you can't do it? I mean, he had everything in the world against him to stop him from doing it, to hold him back, and every excuse. If anybody around here can make up an excuse of why they're not successful, you could make up an excuse. Mm -hmm. You could just throw it all out. This is why I am. I'm a refugee. I'm this. I'm that. You know? Yeah. And, you know... It's, well, the world, the world ain't friendly enough for me. What religion are you? I'm Muslim. So you Muslim, I'm Christian. Mm -hmm. Look at that. We don't even hate each other. <laughs> we don't even hate each other. Ain't that amazing? You know, if we were on a news meeting, they wouldn't even let us talk to each other probably because we got to be enemies. You know, nobody can be friends. Nobody can. I mean, I hate that part of our country right now. The fact that if you're black or you're white or you're Mexican or you're Asian, if, if you're Arabian, whatever. Who, who allowed this Muslim to fly in a day early to Nashville, Tennessee, and spend the day with you? And you sh you were so gracious, and you took me along, and you showed me an entire portfolio. I don't care. I don't care what religion y'all. You know, we, we got to, it's, it's kind of like, you know, growing up, I didn't grow up in a religious family. I, I, I became religious after I did. Now I, now I don't go to church anywhere now because I've been burnt so many by, times by church. I just stay away from it. But anyway, my beliefs that's are a whole another podcast. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> but my beliefs are intact. My beliefs did not did not dwindle at all. 
But I look at this and, you know, I'm looking at if somebody's gay. Well, in the Christian world, if they're gay, you got that you, you got to shun them. You can't be friends with them. You can't do this. Why? It's just a person. You know, it doesn't make them not a man. doesn't make them not a woman. I don't want, I really don't have time for a bunch of freaking enemies. I don't need that garbage. You know, I love our relationship. I love the fact that, that you'll reach out and call me in the middle between everything. And you don't need anything. You just call on the chit chat. Hey, yeah. man, what's up? I just want to hear your voice. I just want to talk to you. And, and he did. He called me the other day and he said, I just want to hear your voice. And what, you know, that, that kind of makes me a little bit emotional for somebody just to even say it. I just want to hear your voice. You know, and, and that's just, that's awesome. And I love that. I love that. Well, I just, I value, I value you as a human being, as in your soul. I don't care about, you know, that all the other stuff just comes naturally. Yeah. All the other growth and learning and stuff that comes out of your mouth, you don't really realize how much knowledge and wisdom you're given by just freely flowing and talking to me on the phone. And, but that just comes with the, the unsolicited friendship that we, well, we built that. with each other, you know. I appreciate that. So you're going to build these 40 units, and I'm excited because we're going to go down there and visit that project for sure. And I'll take you all with me when we go visit that, and we'll do some filming on it, check it out, see what's going on. Um, um, what's the next phase of your life? So now I'm looking at land acquisition. Um, we're looking at water right acquisition. Now, ever since yesterday's uh, presentation. Y'all have that in Raleigh? I mean, I'm going to look all over North Carolina. I'm just going to I don't know that. I don't know that. The, does does North Carolina have restrictions on water? I have no idea. I got to do my own work. I don't. I don't think that we we did a one of the speakers yesterday was talking about water rights here in you. We're in Salt or um, Utah, Utah Park City, Utah. That they have water rights. You can buy a piece of property, but if you don't have water rights, you can't do nothing to it. You know. So you know, I don't think Raleigh. I don't think North Carolina has water rights, but a lot of stuff out west has water rights, and and that used to be a big thing. I think it's not as much as it was, but out this way it is. It definitely is. And, you know, that's that's where an, an uneducated investor comes in and buys some big plot of land thinking they're going to make a ton of money and realize you got the land, but you don't have anything underneath that land. Yeah. You can use the grass. That's all you got to use. So I'm yeah. looking in, I'm looking at acquiring everything underneath the land. Yeah. That, it, it's a cool concept. And uh, so we're looking at land acquisition um, because I'm my dream is to build a build, a, you know, a custom build home for my wife and I to raise some children. And I'm looking at probably around 15 acres or so that I yep. want to buy. And then um, also looking at sub twos, left, right, and center, anywhere we can. Um, right now, that's going to be the new thing because there's so much debt, sub three, sub 4% debt out here in, this, in the nation. So we're looking at, you know. So explain that a little bit. So most, most of the nation's locked in a 30-year fixed sub 4, 3% debt. And they're not going to give that up, but... Or we can't get that debt anymore. So the 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 prize here is the the thirty year fixed debt on that low note. So what we're trying to do is say, hey, people are in a certain situation, they have to move, they, they lost their job, whatever. And instead of ruining their credit and getting their house foreclosed on or whatever, we come in and we do a subject two and we yeah. take over their we take over their loan and we get the benefit of that low debt. And then we can come in and revamp the property and get it to perform the way we want it to perform. Jason Hartman did a podcast on subject two a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that, you need to listen to his two-part podcast. It was a great podcast. This guy talking about subject two. And I can find it because I sent it to my wife. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Okay. But um, so what what he's talking about is if somebody's got a 3% mortgage out there, they bought their house and they, paid, they overpaid for their house because the mortgages were so cheap and all of the home prices were going up. Well, now those home prices are kind of coming down a little bit 
in those areas like that and and they're not able to sell it for the same exact money they paid for it so they don't want to sell and if they sell it they're going to take a little bit of a beating on that and then when they go buy another house instead of getting a three percent mortgage they're going to get a seven percent mortgage and they're and that's going to make their note be at least twice two and a half times more than what it is now and and in doing that what is talking about is i can go in and i can offer to buy it with a subject two so he can do a complete contract on it even so much as move the property into his name they hold the mortgage still. They can get full dollar for it because at 3%, he can say, hey, I'll, I'll do this for you for the next five years, and then I will pay the note every month, and and then I can buy the house from you, give you what you want for the house, and I will do a cash-out refi after the five years and get your name off of the note. And, and that works. The only instance that they run into trouble with that is whenever those people go to buy another house and need to get a mortgage and they don't have the debt-to-income ratio, it messes them up. So that may that could make it go a little bit faster for you have to do it. But if you're doing that deal out the gate, then they got to have that plan intact before you close on the deal. But that is the way to buy a house now and still buy into that 3% mortgage or 4% mortgage and come out on top as far as you give them more money for the house or you give them what they want for the house. They're not taking a beating on, they're not taking on the cash. Yeah. But what, what they're also not doing is, you know, let's say let's say they owe six hundred thousand dollars for the house but they want eight hundred thousand dollar house for the house you could just give them two hundred thousand dollars keep their mortgage and then five years from now you repay that mortgage off and and then they get that back they don't they don't know anything on it and a whole different podcast there again so we could just yeah. sit here all day huh? <laughs> but anyway so you're looking to do some subject two so looking at subject twos we're looking at um class c properties we have a lot of you know older people that have owned a lot of different you know, big properties out. out. And so now, you know, baby boomers are getting older. And so now this is our opportunity to start doing some acquisition. Yeah. So the wife got a real estate license recently, and that's what we're going to do full throttle. Any new construction on the horizon other than the, the bumps? No, I'm going to put all of my energy into that and just try to get it get it done right and get it learned as much as I can from it. Um, well, why don't you Why don't you take and try and maybe buy a lot and build a house between in the next 12 months, buy a lot, build your first house that will put you ahead of the game when you start on the other on the on the apartments i mean you could liquidity you could is the issue liquidity is the issue there because i've got a lot, i'm lp in a, a few deals right now and so i'm just trying to i'm trying to cash for it right now so i'm trying to make sure that i get a return on some of these things and button those things up and then of course if, we'll if you have 12 months in between by the time you get paid off from one of some you're in three different deals right now with other people as a limited partner so, but once one or two of them pay off, exactly, take that money and reinvest that money into building your house and do it with cash. That way, you just do it. You know, which nothing says you couldn't go to the bank and do it. You know, Vincent, you could talk to Vincent about, hey, I want to do this right here. What, yeah. what can we do? Um, but that would be a great thing to roll, roll a new construction house out that you could hold it or rent it. Either way, you could do a cash out refi at the end of it and and take that money and invest it into your your apartment complex, but. That'd be a cool, cool experience to get the experience of building something before you go build something big. Agreed. So it might not be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So for the people on the group here, most most of the people that are watching this have some are investors, some are not investors. Everybody's wanting to to be a real estate investor. Any advice you can give them? Anything you can help them to understand? Advice. What to do on real you- estate and you know how to get started in life. I mean, just. So, so we got a lot of people that may be 20 years old and they, they want, you know, their, their whole thing is I want to be rich, yeah. which, which I don't think that needs to be your mindset. Your mindset needs to be, I want to be successful. What does that mean? 
you know, success will bring you to rich eventually. But you can be successful and still be poor and then work your way to being rich from that right well, there. But but it, it's all in stages. You can't focus on the dollar. You know, it's it's like we, we praise, we pray to this dollar, this almighty dollar. But you can't, it's just a tool. And the sooner you learn that this is just a tool to make me do certain things and, and put things in motion, that's how you have to view it. And so the first step is work hard, put your money together, and jump into something. And don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to learn and just grow from there. Failure is evident. Absolutely. Embrace it. So you said something when we first started. You said that you are here at this collective event to grow. You said you went to the Rebel Capitalist where we met the first time to grow. And really, education is what you're talking about in your growth, growth and education and how to do what you do. Really, that's everything in success. I mean, whenever you go out and build a house, it's not for the money. It's for the education. It's for, it, it's, you got this, this degree of success you're trying to maintain, but you got to educate yourself to step that success up in every aspect. You got to, you go to one level, then you plateau. You can't go up above it until you get more education. And your education comes up here. You're still down here. You know what you need to do now, and it takes you a couple of years to get up here, and then you got to re-educate, re-educate, re-educate. It's a never-ending thing, but, but I like that philosophy right there. It's, it's about, I got to educate myself to get to that next level. I, didn't, I, I want to be successful, and it doesn't all just happen. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes years of hard work, humility, discipline, and just put, put yourself out and putting yourself out there. Make yourself vulnerable. Open yourself up to learning. Open yourself up to being around hard men like this so that you can learn a thing or two. You know, in this collective group by itself, for example, We've got, I'm probably one of the youngest, we're probably one of the youngest couples at, at, the, at the group. And then we have a 75-year-old land developer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, the, the amount of, the age gap and the amount of people that is just, is tremendous. And the yeah. backgrounds and all the different people and all the, all the stories that everyone has and all the things that they've been through in their life, that's where you learn. And they're all just here. They're just here to give back to people and help make people successful, help make people better mm-hmm. and I mean, it is the most awesome world. I mean, I love the world of, of this type of education stuff because you, I have never stepped in a room since I've been with Rich Dad Education or since I've been with the collective or groups like that. You never step in a room a stranger. You never step in a room where people shun you. you never, you're never an outcast. If I go to one of Jason Hartman's events, the first one I ever went to, I mean, it was incredible how the staff treated me, how the people treated me, how everybody just blended right in. I mean... It's it's just a it's just the coolest environment in the world. You feel accepted everywhere. The the thing is, is like there's a price, right? There's always a price tag on any of these things, correct? But the price is meant to deter the people that aren't. They're calling your bluff. It's just what they're doing. Okay, put your money where your mouth is. You want to grow? You want to learn? We're offering you this X Y Z. Drop that money down. Yep. Drop that money down. Let me see what you're about. Because when you walk into that door, because George, Ken, Jason, they're not. They're not getting any anything out of this. You know, not one of them guys have a college education either. No. Well, actually, Ken does. Ken does. Ken graduated. Ken, Ken did. Ken did. He did go to college, but the other two did not. And it's besides the point. They're not. They're not here. They're not making any money. They're here to give back. Yeah. They're taking time out of their days, out of their businesses, flying over here, spending X amount of days with us because they see the potential and they see what they're doing. And it's cool. It's cool to sit in a room with billions of dollars worth of net worth all around you 
And um, and this is exactly the room that I need to be. Lean that information and just listen and grow, listen and grow, listen and grow. You want to be the the youngest, poorest person in the room. That's where you grow the most. I agree. I agree. Any closing statements? Just hone in on yourself as a human being. Humility, discipline, vision. You have to have that vision. You have to stick to it. Break down, break down your budget. Hey, I make X amount of dollars. Break it all down. This is what I pay out every month. What can I shave? What, what fat can I shave off this budget so that I can put some money away and start creating a better life for myself? Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of sacrifice, but we both telling you right now, anybody can do what we do. Anybody can be successful. How bad do you want it is the question. Are you willing to sacrifice a little happiness in your 20s and your 30s? Maybe even all the way into your 40s to get to be 50 years old and never worry about a single thing in your life ever again. What's that worth to you? Look at your mom, look at your dad, look at where they are in their lives and say, okay, if they're, if they're not rich, if they, don't, if, they, if they don't have a high net worth, do they, do they struggle? Do they have to really limit their activities? Can they do what they want to do? How much does it stop them? And I think that that's important to look at that and realize, hey, if I want a different kind of life, I got to do something different. You have to so, take control. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, amen. Brother, I appreciate you, man. Love you. I'm glad, glad you took this time out of your day to do this. And we had to do this twice because we did it the first time. In the, we did it in the sunlight, and uh, the camera <laughs> tripped out on us under heat mode, I guess, and we lost half our video, so we had to start over. But I appreciate that. I appreciate the time, and thank, thank you all for watching. Let me show you Park City, <laughs> where we are. So this is Park City, Utah, and that's just mountains. We went to the Olympic Park yesterday, and that was pretty cool. So we can look out there. It's just a really, really cool resort we're at. We'll walk way between the hotels, but it's all, it's all condos all the way around us. We're in the hotel right here. But thank you all very much. Have a wonderful day.